Good evening and good morning, EPL State of Mind listeners. I hope you're in for a doozy today. We've got a lot of exciting things, including our first guest star speaker. So we have a lot of exciting uh, topics to cover, and we're going to bring someone in, a real Spurs fanatic. So you have myself and Sean on the mic again. Kyle is uh, indulging himself with some Irish culture uh, this week. So we're, we're running the show here in his behalf. But uh, I'm sure he would have a lot to say regarding the title race. So I'm glad he's uh, maybe a bit absent today. But we will have a lot of fun uh, activities and fun conversations with myself, Sean, and our guest star, Avi. So we're going to get into, as we normally do, which is the hot news. A couple exciting, fun things this weekend that came up. A couple things that are a little bit older, but we want to touch upon. But the first one, probably most exciting if you're into the championship and you're following the promotion and the relegation of the EPL really closely is the fact that Burnley is now officially coming up. They are re-entering the English Premier League, and they have done it faster than any other team in championship history. They currently only have 39 games played. They have seven left in their season. For those of you who don't know, there are 24 teams in the championship, opposed to the English Premier League, which has 20. So their current record is 25 wins, 12 draws, and two losses. This is a total of 87 points, and they have a goal differential of 46. For reference, for those who know that Fulham, uh, Forest, as well as uh, Bournemouth came up from the English uh, came up from the championship last year. Fulham was the automatically promoted first place team last year with 27 wins, nine draws, 10 losses. That's only 90 points. So Burnley are three points away from making that um, a really good competition there. Uh, Fulham also had a goal differential of 63. And uh, we'll just kind of segue into the next one, which would be the next one promoted, which could be Sheffield United. They currently sit in second place in the championship, which is the other automatic promotion spot. And they are five points clear of third place with eight games left to play. So the next kind of thing is a little bit older, but it is exciting. And I know we have a lot of Chelsea fans out there and we'll have one on next week is the reappointing of Frank Lampard as the interim manager until the end of the season. So as everyone knows, Frank Lampard is a Chelsea legend, Premier League Hall of Famer. We were talking about who's going to be inducted last week. So we have one back in the news today. Uh, he returns to Stanford Bridge for his second stint at the club. His first time around didn't go so well. Uh, he had 44 wins, 15 draws, and 25 losses. But a lot has changed since he's left the club. And that includes 24 new players being signed for a record-breaking of £700 wow. million pounds spent. The only three players returning to Frank Lampard's side from when he's had his starting 11 versus Leicester City January 2021 is Reese James, Kovacic, and Havertz. Those were the only ones represented this weekend in his starting 11 on his return. Uh, unfortunately, as everyone knows how this story ended, it was a one nothing loss to Wolves in his triumphant, triumphant, but not triumphant return. So while I get all the uh, the words out of my mouth properly, I'll let you do some of the talking here, Sean. We have two more hot news items here. One happened literally right before we sat down to do this recording, and that's the reappointing of Dean Smith. Yeah, taking over for uh, for Brendan Rodgers and uh, Adam Sadler, who was the uh, the manager last week. Um, so obviously the Foxes are you know sitting down in 19th place right now with only one point in their last eight matches, and, and they needed a change. Uh, so the former Norwich and Aston Villa manager, Dean Smith, takes over um, and will try to lead Leicester to safety. Uh, obviously he has a bit of experience um, with relegation scraps in the past, 
He did keep um, Aston Villa up in 1920 after uh, winning promotion from the championship in 1819 with them. Um, and they, they stayed up on the last day of the season by, I think, a point. And then the next year, um, he was sacked early, I think, after five games in, into the season. Um, and then ended up taking a job at Norwich a week later, um, where he finished bottom of the, the English Premier League last year to take them down. But good manager overall, and I think he can really get a tune out of a lot of the attacking players. I mean, obviously, his best player at Villa was Jack Grealish, and I think there's you know a couple of players who can you know look to, to Grealish's performance as inspiration. James Madison, who kind of plays in that number 10 and off the left role. Um, and then uh, I think Harvey Barnes as well, both of them in dip double figures for uh, for goal involvements this season. And I think they could really be the, the crucial men to keep the Foxes up for Dean Smith um, if, if he can get the same sort of performances out of them that he did with Grealish a couple of years back. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm interested to see if he can build someone into the next Jack Grealish because obviously his record-breaking transfer fee to Man City has kind of uh, fueled the fire that is Aston Villa's current roster. So we'll see what we can do there. Next one we have is probably the most entertaining of it, and we talked about it during the actual cup tie with uh, Fulham versus Man United, and that was the double red card of Willian and then uh, Mitrovic. So we have an update on Mitrovic. So, Sean, take it away. Yeah, uh, Alexander Mitrovic has been suspended eight games for pushing referee Chris Cavanaugh in the aftermath of, as you mentioned, William getting sent off in that game at Old Trafford. Uh, the next time that the Serbian star will be eligible to play for Fulham is on May 10th against Southampton. Um, there's only two other games in the season left after that. Um, obviously, they're safe, but it's very disappointing for them. Obviously, um, he's their their talisman, their top scorer this year with 11 goals. And the next highest guy on the list is Bobby De Cordova Reed with four. So that just tells you how important he is to to Fulham and the push that they had for European football earlier this year. Um, although they've fallen back to 10th place um, after losing their their last four matches, so it's a, it's a tough blow for them, obviously, to to miss not not only double the uh, the the automatic suspension time, but also an additional two games on top of that. So. Tough break for them and for, for Mitrovic as well. It's brutal. I think they only have a, a, a certain amount of time for an appeal if they choose to do so. But unfortunately, I just don't see this changing fate for uh, for Fulham. I'm just realizing two things of a past prediction that I had and the other of last week. I'm realizing when I re-listened to the podcast last week, I flip-flopped uh, Fulham and Newcastle's cup ties last week when we were talking about Man U versus Newcastle. So I'm sitting here, I'm like... Oh man, did I do that last week? And unfortunately, I did. Even even professionals like myself make mistakes, so <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's highly acceptable on such an amateur podcast. But I know we all love and appreciate it so much. And the other one is, I think when we were doing our halfway hopes and horrors, I think I mentioned that even though I think Fulham is a great side and they really came in hot, I think I called them burning out towards the end of the season and and possibly just finishing out like right at tenth place, just. Definitely not top four. I didn't think they'd be European competition. But, hey, they gave it a great run. They're going to stay up. They're well clear. Maybe they can stretch towards the end for some conference league. You never know with possibly, you know, Man City winning the league and the Champions League pushing everything back a, a tier. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit further on down the season. But what we will get into today is a quick whip around the league. We're going to take a quick minute, five-minute break so I can catch my breath, and then we'll go on from there. <laughs> 
So Sean and I, we're, we're flying through these subjects today because we want to have as much time as possible with Avi. Really exciting stuff for the actual game that happened versus Brighton to this weekend. And then we're going to dive into the, you know, the future of the club, where he stands on it right now. So we want to we want to have as much time as we can. So we're doing a little whip around the league of what happened this weekend. Obviously, I hope everyone enjoyed a lot of the games because it was also a really fun, entertaining one as well. But uh, we're going to highlight a couple ones that we felt we watched the best and and brought the most excitement. And the first one, of course, uh, is Man City versus Southampton. This was the late game on Saturday. This was at St. Mary's Stadium. So it was Man City away at Southampton, which is typically not an easy place to play because it's a smaller stadium. So we find it a bit difficult with the fans right there. But you're Man City. You're full of robots. You're going to do exactly what I expected them to do. Honestly, watching the game, I was keeping my fingers crossed for at least a draw. And it did look like Southampton had an opportunity in the first half to come away with eight points. But of course, Man City turned it up. Uh, De Bruyne is a big highlight this uh, this game. And uh, he his goal to Holland made him the fastest player to 100 assists in the Premier League history and fifth ever to reach that mark. So it's in some really great company. You have two away from the guy we spoke about before who's returned to the Blues, Frank Lampard at 102, and then Wayne Rooney, you know, a, a staple of Man United and the English Premier League at 103. So he's only off the pace for third of all time right there. Holland scored his 29th and 30th Premier League goal. He's hot on the tail of the record for a single-season goal-scoring record. And his 30th, if you haven't seen it, was an absolute stunner. It was a beautiful bicycle kick, probably the best of his season so far. Uh, didn't really mean much because it, I believe it was the third goal of the game. Or the, it was either the third goal of the game or the second goal of the game. And it came right before, right after, right before he got subbed off and... Uh, that Man City was awarded a PK for a possible hat trick if he were to stay on the pitch. So I'm sure he was a little salty standing up in the stadiums like that, but he's got bigger, badder things to accomplish, especially this week with the Champions League coming up. Jack Grealish, though, another player to highlight here, once again had a phenomenal game. He had a goal and an assist, and he's been one of the best players in the league since the return to the World Cup. We talked about a little bit last year how I don't consider him a flop whatsoever. He's earned his spot in that roster, and it's going to be very difficult to drag him off once Phil Foden returns in full health. So unfortunately, we all kind of saw it coming. Southampton being in 20th, Man City seeming like a first place team. Obviously not right now for the old gunners, but they're hot on our tails. So uh, it was asking a lot from Southampton to pull something out of the hat. Bournemouth, however, uh, based off of Kyle's hot take two weekends ago, he said that the cherries were going down. I don't think he had any really good reason. He just said, get the fuck out of here. You're just not. They you're lost just, nine nothing. They, yeah, that's that what was his was. reason. They <laughs> lost nine nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think at that point I said, well, man, you lost seven nothing. So I think they're equal. <laughs> but Bournemouth obviously was listening to the EPL state of mind and took that extremely personally. So thank you, Sean, for the great meme on the on the social media platform this week because I definitely fell out of my seat on that one. And Kyle, I'm sure, really appreciated it. But the Cherries won again. <laughs> so they move up to 15th place now, which is three points clear of the relegation zone, obviously still in full contention of going down. So Kyle's not too far off base there, but there are other teams and other eight teams that are in the same race. So uh, Philip Billing, who's had a great return as well, scored his seventh goal of the season. He has played he has three more goals than any other Bournemouth player and established himself as their top tier guy. So I know that he's, absolutely, a, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been on a bit of a tear 
uh, right off the World Cup as well. So it's nice to see these players really pick it up afterwards. For sure. So, I mean, Bournemouth, we'll see what you can, you know, drag out for the rest of the season. Hopefully you can stay up. I like to see newly promoted teams stay, but it's a tight race down there. Uh, another tight race is kind of the top four, and we're going to segue that into the Newcastle-Brentford game. So if you want to take that one, Sean, and we can keep going from there. Yeah, this was a game of first on the year. Uh, the first time that Newcastle came from behind to win a game. Um, so in the second half, excuse me, I should should preface with that. Um, but So they did something that we said they were incapable of a few weeks back that we weren't sure that they could come back. The way that their style of play is so defensive and really relying on on stifling defense and then nicking a goal and, and defending uh, a bit of shithousery and a bit of time wasting as, as you got always, to see at, at, always, at the always Emirates. Always, always, these goons. <laughs> but uh, they did win this game 2-1. Ivan Tony missed his first penalty of his Brentford career. He was 22 of 22 for the Bees uh, at, the, at the penalty spot, but he did get redemption later on and scored a, a second-half penalty. But it was not enough um, as as Newcastle took the points on the day at the GTEC. Um, and I just wanted to make one mention at the end there, Anthony Gordon, our boy. And our boy, I mean, that uh, was a little bit of tongue-in-cheek because we think he's a bit of a, a, bit of a shite hawk, oh, as yeah. my pop-up would say. Uh, but he he was kind of through a bit of a tantrum when he got taken off by Eddie Howe. Uh, but after the game came out and said that, you know, he was sorry for that, but he was happy they won the three points, which – it's easier to uh, to throw those tantrums and get and move past it when you when you win, right? So, oh, absolutely. That's obviously I mean, a, a big one. He, uh, I wonder if you're an Everton fan, if you're like, oh, we avoided a head case immediately after that. You know, was sold to him for what was it like forty six million euros in this winter transfer window. He's a he was born in Liverpool, bred through the system of Everton. So maybe you're uh, kind of hoping for his downfall there. But it, it was it was a tight competition with Newcastle, and they're really coming to form with their strikers. So I know, uh, I, like you mentioned before, we were saying that they haven't had a comeback, which really separates them from the top there. But they're sitting right now in the top four, so we'll see what they got. Yeah. Another team that's kind of come into form uh, up top as of just recently, just really recently, is Crystal Palace. They're your boys. They're your team that's outside of your team. So I'm excited to see what you have about that because I didn't even see this game. And I saw the end score result, and I thought maybe they got a mix-up of a different game or something like that, because this was this was out of nowhere, out of left field. Yeah, so uh, the the return of Roy Hodgson is, has been emphatic for for the Eagles. Uh, they win this game 5-1 over Leeds at Ellen Road. So going on the road and getting a big three points against a team that was also in the relegation battle. Uh, Leeds actually started this game pretty well, especially – uh, South Jersey's finest, Brendan Aronson. He uh, set up Patrick Bamford for the opener off a corner kick, um, but was not enough. In the second half, Palace really just took their game to another level. Um, even though they're missing, you know, their main man in Wilf Zaha, you know, he's out with a groin injury until the end of this month. Um, you know, Michael Elise and my boy Eberi Eze really stepped up. Three assists for Elise, and then uh, Eze had a goal an assist and uh, had nine dribbles completed, which was the most by any team in, uh, or excuse me, most by a single player uh, this calendar year in the Premier League. So they were just so dangerous on the counter and really dominated this game. And and uh, two goals from IU also helped deliver what ended up being a blowout win for for Crystal Palace. Um, and just a last note I had on this one: in their last in two matches under Roy Hodgson, they scored seven goals. In their previous 13 under Patrick Vieira, they scored six. So 
you talk about a new manager bounce. Definitely the offense is, is going and the Eagles are soaring. That's crazy. And we always knew the team had it in them from the last year to the first half of this season. So I don't know what happened over that uh, winter break over the World Cup break. They just came back a completely flat team. And I think Ayu, he got his first brace uh, of the English Premier League career. So that's really good to see. And they're firing all cylinders. Um, it's exciting to see them playing maybe a bit of a spoiler for a lot of the the teams below them fighting relegation. And maybe this is what they need. Because if you look at their past, you know, away traveling games, they had some really stiff competition uh, with Man City, Arsenal. And I think it was even Man U in there as of late. So it's, yep. it's, it's wild. But I think uh, the little bit of drum roll here, because this is probably what everyone was, uh, you know, licking their chops about. And this was the face-off. I think this might be up there as the game of the season so far, just because of the gravity of it. It's at Anfield. Uh, you guys have only lost one game there the entire season. Arsenal really trying to play the spoiler here. And God damn it, they came so close. I didn't curse the uh, – that's a lie. I didn't curse during the game. I cursed a lot after the game. It was the holy Sunday of Easter Sunday, so I was really trying to bite my tongue, but, I, you know, I just couldn't <laughs> freaking do it. It was a really, really intense game. I, I didn't think it was going to be that intense after Arsenal goes up 2-0 in the first, what, 30 minutes of the match. Mm -hmm. I know you and I were texting throughout it, and I, you, you said this could be easily 3-4-0 Arsenal. And I said, all you guys need is one counterattack goal, just one goal, and you're right back in it. I've said it before, 2-0 is the most dangerous score in soccer, in football. And it really is. In sports, man. In sports. Any, anytime you, you just need one more and then it gets you to the one more and then it gets you to one more. It's just a just this insane buildup of energy and momentum swing. So I was praying and I texted you. I was like, we just need to get to half. We just need to get to half and maybe we can ride it out. But unfortunately, the terrific and, and Arsenal had a fantastic first half with the exception of maybe the last five to seven minutes, um, which I think stemmed unfortunately, from the Shaka and Alexander-Arnold intercation uh, because you had not heard Anfield in the past couple of seasons as quiet as it was during this first half before. I mean, I heard more uh, we are top of the league and Arsenal chance than Liverpool chance in that first half, which the announcers and all the pundits uh, and all of the reporters at the end of the game were saying it was it was a feeling like they've never felt before at Anfield. So it was really exciting for me to see those first two goals, especially the second one um, coming from Jesus getting back on the scoreboard. I owe my boy Martinelli apology. I think I said that you would know. You know, I said Martinelli starts on the left. I think you, you put Trossard up top instead of Jesus. You work him in and then you have Sock on the right because Martinelli is just an absolute animal. He's got... Out of all the top five leagues, he's the Brazilian player with the most goals scored, which is insane because you have Vinicius Jr. as well as Neymar competing. Neymar obviously is injured right now, but he's in great company up there. So it's really intense. Um, like I said before, Liverpool only lost one game at home. So I'll ask you the question here, and then we can kind of get into the the ins and outs of, of your analysis of the game because uh, I kind of gave my two cents there. But if you told me... I didn't have to play the match and I would get an automatic point from the game. If we didn't play instead of attempting to win, I would have said at the beginning of the game, yeah, I'll walk away with a point happy after that start. I'm a little disappointed that we didn't win, but again, 
was Anfield. You guys didn't lose a single home game last season. You've only lost one this. It's still a massive point. It's still probably the hardest stadium to go to and play against the Liverpool side that in the beginning wasn't looking like Liverpool, but at the end, it was the signs of the old, which was exciting, I'm sure, for you to see. So you being home, if I told you that Arsenal would give you a tie at the start of the game, do you think that's a point earned by you guys or two points dropped by us or is it one point earned by us i think it i think it was just a great game of football and it it was one you know a deserved two points i would say um arguably or excuse me deserve one point for each team um arguably i think by the end of that game you were probably begging for a point um you know yeah, with, absolutely. With, after liverpool gets that equalizer through bobby firmino who i i mentioned before the match his 11th goal in 15 games versus arsenal the second most ever scored him. against Arsenal. I hate him. And he's got and the next one, uh, the first place guy is Wayne Rooney. He only has twelve goals, and he did it in twenty nine games. So in half the amount of games, Bobby Firmino only has one less goal. Um, it just makes me think of how sad I'm going to be when he departs. He is an absolute Liverpool legend. Yep. I love the man. So smart. I mean, this is just a perfect example of his awareness and and positioning. Gets into the right spot. Um, you know, Trent rinses Zinchenko. Took that uh, man to the cleaners. Boy, watch your legs. Close them up. Holy the the gap wasn't even – it was the exact size of the soccer ball. If you look at it, you couldn't even fit a piece of paper between his leg and that soccer ball. So, yes, Trent definitely and, – and I'll say it now and then you keep going, but everyone was saying Trent should just be playing on the wide. He's just, what is he doing in the back? He's, he's good at that stuff. Keep him up there, but keep going. I'll, uh, I'll worry about that later. I mean, he – he actually, I feel like after not only did the crowd wake up after he had that altercation with Shaka, but uh, he waked up a, a lot too. I thought, or woke up, excuse me. His passing was was on point. He also almost had that goal late in the game. Um, mm-hmm. I think right after the solid chance, and or sorry, it was right before the goal uh, by Firmino. He t- had like a long range effort that just went over the bar. Yeah. Um, and he his passing was dangerous. He also almost had another assist right at the end of the first half. So. You know, uh, like you said, I think it, it looked like Liverpool was starting to get back to their best. Um, disappointing. Obviously, Ramsdale has to be mentioned. Oh. He was phenomenal in this game. Made three excellent saves. Darwin Nunez, Salah, and then Kanate right at the death of the game. Yeah. Um, so I it don't, was a lot, yeah. a lot of fun. I don't know how I texted you right after, too, because if you haven't downloaded the English Premier League app, definitely download that, the Premier League app, because you can vote for the man of the match after the game. And they automatically select based off statistics and whatnot. Uh, I think it's five from one team and five from the other team. And I was dumbfounded. I could not believe that Ramsdale was not on there for a man of the match because there is no doubt in my mind that that man has kept us alive multiple times through the season in this competition and in this Premier League title race. So he was he was unfallible. I know Trent Alexander-Arnold, uh, Alexander Arnold had a good attempt that went over the board, but I'm a bar, but I'm sure I'm sure Ramsdale had it covered. no it's he he was great so um obviously a a lot of fun and and hopefully liverpool can build on the momentum of this game um sala obviously disappointing penalty miss um he's over two on the season we only have two penalties as a team but he's missed both uh this one was almost like the inverse of the game that was Mm -hmm. first played between these teams and you and i talked about this yesterday um, in the sense that that one that one ended as a three-two final, and the winner was a controversial Gabriel Jesus penalty one mm-hmm. uh, that I believe Saka dispatched. Yep. And this this game could have easily went that way. I thought 
the uh, the foul on holding was a little soft. It's not definitely not like the most stonewall pen, but I, you know, obviously I wouldn't say no to a free penalty. Um, but as you said, the ball does not lie. Uh, <laughs> but I just wanted to mention and wrap up my last point on this. Uh, Salah has 11 goal contributions in his last 10 appearances. So despite the disappointing penalty, um, you know, misses he's had over both Bournemouth and Arsenal, he's still been really good over the last 10 games and, uh, looking, yep. you know, back to the level that he was at last year and previous seasons. Absolutely. And I'll be the first one to say I've, I went on a bit of a shitting on Salah phase through the season. You know, I was just saying, where is Salah? Every time he's out there, I don't see him. Where is he? Where is he? So he's really come back into stride here, which is great to see because he is a, you know, he's the highest paid pl- player for Liverpool. So you want to see that from your guy, especially since he just signed the new deal over the summer. But, you know, it was an it was an insane game. I, I don't think I sat down after it for at least 30 minutes. So I'm glad I went to church beforehand because if I was going afterwards, I wasn't going to make it. So it is. <laughs> so overall, a great Easter Sunday. It was an intense game and I'm looking forward to the to the running. But that brings us to our first ever guest speaker. We're going to go on a quick pause, bring them in, and then we're going to get it from there. So we're going to do our Spurs Spotlight. Well, I'm delighted to bring on our first ever guest. A uh, close personal friend of mine, Albemarle's backup goalkeeper on the state championship 2012 <laughs> high school soccer team, uh, and noted Spurs fan, my boy Avi Prasad. So, Avi, welcome to the oh, program. Geez, thank you. Welcome, Avi. Welcome. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, James. Definitely a big honor to be here with you boys. And, uh, you know, really appreciate you giving me the time to speak on you guys' open forum here. Of course. You know, when Sean told me he had a friend uh, that we could bring on, I said, that's great. What a what a great little uh, extra excitement we can bring to the mm-hmm. podcast. And then he said he he was a Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> fan. And I first deleted Sean's phone number three times. <laughs> and then I had my girlfriend call his girlfriend <laughs> to tell him how upset I was with him. But I think I got over oh. it. So welcome, Avi. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, if the tables were turned a bit differently, I wouldn't be welcoming you with such open arms. Yep. But I think we're in a good state uh, to to get this rolling. So thank you for coming aboard, mm-hmm. especially with Kyle out this week. Uh, it, it brings an extra little bit of oomph to the show. And I'm very excited to get the opinion of another London team and a close rival, obviously the rival yeah. to to my favorite. It's always fun to, to have a little bit of banter going back and forth. Um, so thank you, Sean, as well. But uh, you excited, Avi? You ready to yeah, roll? Yeah, yeah, man. Let's do it for sure. I know this. Uh, we can definitely get into this. Uh, this past weekend with this uh, Tottenham Brighton game because there's there was definitely some uh, some controversy I think behind that. Would you say, James? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there always seems to be some form of excitement for the Spurs, whether it's a last minute goal that came out <laughs> of nowhere or some calls or they just fell flat. I, I don't know what it is, but there's always something exciting about your guys' game. It's probably a little bit too hard on your heart for me. It's always, it's always a pleasure. Oh. But uh, yeah, let's let's say here we were we were at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium mm-hmm. uh, this weekend for a two-one win against a very up-and-coming team versus Brighton. And I'll ask you your opinion about our boys, and I'm sure as you've listened to the podcast, uh, Kyle, myself, and Sean are big Seagull fans. Mm-hmm. 
outside of our number one teams. So I was obviously uh, not only because I had the money line against you guys. That was a juicy plus 170. But also because obviously any team that plays against Spurs is a good team to me. But uh, we right off the bat, like you said, there was a lot of controversy in this game. I think this pretty much over uh, shadows the remainder of the good play that Spurs had periodically and then Brighton overall did have. And the first thing that we're going to get off here is the PG MOL, which is pretty much the professional. Um, uh, it's it's the actual physical union or the actual body of the referees throughout the English Premier League. For those who don't know, uh, they already came out and said that the number one controversial call during the game was a foul inside of the box on our boy, our favorite left winger of the season so far, Matoma. And this would have given him penalty kick to take the lead against you guys. So that's one of them. I think personally, there were two other ones, which included a Danny Welbeck goal that was disallowed for a handball that was close to McAllister's body, as well as Matoma again involved with another controversial call where he took down a brilliant pass over the top inside of the box with his shoulder blade area. Uh, at the time of the goal, I believe it was allowed to stand and then VAR interjected and said that was a handball and was further disallowed. So right off the bat, uh, let's get your take on the generality of the game. You know, in the beginning, Son had a, a, a firecracker, a world-class goal. How are you feeling from that moment forward? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I really thought for the first 15 minutes, it was some good just back-and-forth play from both teams. But, um, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that I saw like a clear favor in that first 15 minutes, but Brighton were playing right up to the task. They were coming in, you know, all cil- hitting all cylinders. Um, but Tottenham were also there to defend their, their turf, their home turf, which they have historically played very well at, um, even including this season that's so far been not, not the greatest. But, um, you know, after Son's goal, you know, especially with him not being in the same form as last year, um, it was definitely nice to see. Um, and also another big thing for him was that that was actually his 100th Premier League goal scored. Um, another big milestone for him as well as that he's also the first Asian player to be to have ever gotten 100 Premier League goals. And um, something pretty cool and, you know, as humble as Son usually is, um, he dedicated that goal to his grandfather who had actually just passed away um, a few days before the match. So that was something that was, uh, that was also really nice to... Um, for him to do as well. But, you know, after that goal, James definitely felt that, you know, um, Tottenham was a uh, whole generality and just mood was feeling good. Um, but for some reason, bright, well, not some reason, Roberto Zadurdi uh, has made it a pretty big point that he doesn't shy away from any opponent he plays. He doesn't care if they're big, you know, the pretend, you know, the, the said big six or, or any other team in the Premier League, he'll give, he gives, his team gives it, from the beginning whistle all the way to the final minute. So I um I was expecting Tottenham to uh to not actually drop back as much into defense as they started doing. Um just because I mean at the beginning of the game they weren't they weren't really eating possession they the way they had historically have or the way they had historically this season. Um they were allowing, you know, a lot of back and forth play with Brighton, but um after that song goal there was the I was I believe the Matoma handball is what happened after that if I'm correct, and mm-hmm. yep. um when that when when that goal was scored I definitely was feeling as a fan oh wow look our defense just uh, decided not to mark 
again as usual um after we after we come up <laughs> after we have such a great goal and it's usually always within like the first if you look at Tottenham's game and style of play it's usually within the first 5 to 10 minutes um of them scoring that goal they will look to concede a goal right back it mm. is it is quite interesting yeah they do say that the first 5 minutes after a goal is 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 critical it's crucial to making sure that you can you hold your stance so yeah, absolutely great point for sure. So then after that, what uh what went through? Because then we the Seagulls tied it up for uh for you. Yeah. No, I mean um that's the thing. I mean Brighton they 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 they've had such a a very for the last couple of years they've just had they've been they've always had um a very decent attack you know at this point and you know mm-hmm. with that being said they've they've given Tottenham problems um you know outside of their out of Tottenham's traditional rivals um you know for these past um four years they've always um always will give Tottenham a good match though when I when they did go up 1-1 I'm not gonna lie the way that this season has been going uh definitely was not feeling the greatest because you know with this um with this squad as you can tell um especially when it comes to our defenders um whenever a goal is usually scored for some reason or the other um this the defenders usually will look around at each other and just just look completely dejected at each other, not trying to you know hype each other, you know hype the team up, or, you know clap it up the way that you know majority of teams will do. It's usually a lot of just finger pointing or just a lot of just you know dumbfounded looks from either Dyer to Lloris, Dyer to Romero, Dyer to Perisic. So you know I definitely felt that the the, the game wasn't safe. And you know we'll definitely get into it. And it and it did not look safe if you if you look at the the, the end scoreline. I don't think it, it definitely for me doesn't reflect the way that the game played out and the way it should have played out. So interested to hear what yeah. some of you guys, what some of your thoughts are as well, James, on, um, on what happened next after, uh, after the Seagulls tied it up with that. Da- and then when, what happened with Danny Welbeck being a, you know, former, former, former gunner himself. Yeah. I mean, it would have been great anytime a, a former gunner, gives it to to you guys or really any of the top <laughs> big six teams. I always have a little bit of a heart, uh, a good spot in my heart for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really was upset about that one. I think more so the Matoma. The Matoma one was kind of a 50-50. Mm-hmm. It is kind of low on his shoulder. I think McAllister has his hand as close to his body as he possibly can any further and might be in his freaking stomach. <laughs> so, uh, I mean... <laughs> It's just been the the issue that is VAR, and you heard Dunk come into the game afterwards. The post conference, he said, "You know, I don't understand what VAR is yep. for if it's not for one the Matoma." And then he mentioned, you know, his body, his hand was so close to his body. So overall, one upset that you guys won <laughs> in a Spurs fashion. That is very last minute, of course, by none other than I believe it was King yep. as well, yeah, right? Harry King, so yeah. that's a double blow to me. And then, of course, I was financially invested, <laughs> as my mother tells me not to do so many times, especially against the Spurs. But I go ahead and do it anyway. <laughs> so that was definitely that was definitely a, a you know a, a rough start to the Saturday morning for me. It wasn't terrible. Sean, I want you to talk uh, talk some shop with your boy. Get some get some of your opinions in there, and and kind of take us through the remainder of the game and and start our next phase, which is going to be our Q and A session with Spurs fanatic <laughs> Avi. <laughs> yeah, I mean this this one was obviously pretty back and forth as as we've discussed. Uh, Brighton did control a bit more of the ball and then had seventeen shots, but yeah, I think the Matoma one I can definitely understand why that one was called back. 
even though it is high on his arm, you know, he does really use it to knock the yep. ball down. Um, the McAllister one is tough. And then obviously the penalty, <laughs> I just, that's, that's to me is a stonewall pen clear as day. Um, and, and Tottenham's got to be very, you know, very fortunate to, to be able to get out of there with three points, because I would say probably a draw was deserved overall, at least for Brighton. Yeah. So um, obviously they're going to have to feel hard done by, but. Um, don't worry. Don't worry. They apologized. <laughs> they came out and apologized. I think Brighton's yeah. totally okay now. It's totally fine. Yeah. There's an, there's an account that I follow who's a Brighton account on Instagram. And they were like, Oh great. They apologized. Do we get our <laughs> points back or what? And no. I also, which, yeah. you know, it's tough no, for them. I definitely to kind of add to that point as well. I mean, I was reading an article um, on BBC about um, how Brighton have actually been the worst affected team by VAR calls this season. And yep. it's like not yep. even close. So right. just a little bit more salt in the wound, especially for a team that's really looking to achieve, you know, top four status for the first time in their long, you know, careers or their long, their long um, since they've been around. So it's just, it is a bit more salt in the wound there for sure. Yeah, they're Definitely. they're doing it with one of the cheapest teams out there too. Their wage bill, their wages, I think they're like bottom three yeah. of how expensive it is. So it's really impressive what that actual facility and the system has been able to bring to the club. Yeah, well they were they were paying Caicedo and gum. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore, but they were paying them in gum. Not anymore. Not anymore, they're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trident. Right, that's what it was, but uh, <laughs> unbelievable. I think that maybe you guys, uh, Avi, will have to take a little oh, yeah. bit of a page out of their book in this upcoming season, um, and especially the transfer windows. But that kind of segues into our next portion. Unless you, you guys have anything else to talk about the game, uh, <laughs> I won't say too much. The fact that London is red, I can kind of do that at the end of the conversation, but I think it's a great segue into the next round of questions. And Sean, I want you to kind of pick the first yeah, one and, and Avi, um, yeah. we're so, going to hit you with a few. Uh, the first big one, I just want to know kind of where do you think uh, things go with Harry Kane this summer? Um, do you think it's best for, for Tottenham to move on? It, it could be best for him. Um, he is on entering the last year of his deal, which expires in 2024. So just kind of interested where you think, you know, he'll end up if he goes somewhere and, and do you think it's time for him to move on? So I'm going to have to, I'm going to answer this as a first and just foremost as a selfish Spurs fan. I definitely believe and want to believe that the, that he's going to stay with us. Um, and I need, at least I know from reports from Tottenham's, you know, biggest beat writer, Alistair Gold, that, you know, Leva, Leva, Daniel Levy has brought Harry Kane into the room, um, for this new and upcoming manager search saying that, you know, he is actually going to have a decent amount of um, input about who's going to be sitting in that chair um, when this new season comes around, because, you know, at this point, finishing top four is something is, is really the only thing that that's, that's like the real big goal for them right now at the end of this season. Um, I do believe if they finish top four, that Levy's going to do everything he can to still keep Kane um, with that incentive, playing in the Champions League since that is something Kane obviously wants to be doing and needs to be doing for at this point of his career. Um, but at the same time, I do think that um, Levy, Levy has said, um, Daniel Levy has said that he is quite open to selling Harry Kane, but the minimum starting price at this point is going to be over 100, mil 100 million pounds. Um, and, you know, right. with that, yeah, e exactly. And, I mean, if you guys remember... 
when um Rightfully when the so. saga yeah. kind of happened two years ago when all signs were pointing that Kane was going to be going over to Man City to the point where Kane pretty much <laughs> said his goodbye to the fans and the club even at mm-hmm. um you know right before the uh the season was actually about to start um but you know they they decided to drag their feet a little bit and really at the very last second they they gave him this contract that you know he did sign um and you know at that point i think levy maybe had sold him on getting these big name managers in um whether that had been Mourinho or conte and saying that you know we're going to get a proven winner in so we can really get over the hump but the problem with that being is that um which we'll get into later is that wh- where was the defensive improvement outside of Romero um that was brought in to, to kind of help supplement a nice potent attack and even some of the and, and a good midfield as well at this point where where when if you, if the defense is leaking goals then i mean there's only so much Harry Kane that can do it by himself um so that's kind of where i'm at i personally yeah. want him to yeah. stay but i i really wouldn't blame him as a star player if he were to walk whether it be to you know but if he were to walk he in the premier league there's really only one viable target i see right now and that's manchester united um obviously with man city having holland um arsenal mm-hmm. that's if i i don't I, for, I don't foresee harry kane pulling another judas move aka soul campbell move <laughs> going over to you know the most hated club for <laughs> <laughs> exactly but as you as you guys the bright side probably be imagining that, <laughs> I mean, that just doesn't seem like it would happen chelsea just had a very they have a, a the mat like I'm, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. i think it is the, the highest wage bill in the premier league right now um, and also with that signing of Mudrick for over a hundred million, yeah. um, I mean United really seems like the only option for him at this point. And you know we'll see if that is something that they're really entertaining. Or I mean the other big name, as you guys know, is Bayern. That's somewhere that um that that's has always has shown interest in Harry Kane since um, twenty eighteen. And I mean there's all they've always say that they're open to to pursuing him, but. With, when you look at that, though, there's there's the there's the um, the factor that Harry Kane does very vocally want to break the all-time Premier League record goal. So definitely, I mean, that's a whole nother. So that yeah. there's there's a couple of those factors. So yep. I mean, they, so if, yeah, I I, I know. <laughs> if you love him, Avi, if you love him, oh, you let him go. So- if you love them, I think you I think we can go, go on all day about that, but um, <laughs> we'll just move on to to a little quick rapid fire mm-hmm. game. We'll play uh, first time we've ever played it. It's a sell keeper bench. So obviously we'll just go through some of the big names at Tottenham. You tell us whether you think they should be sold, moved on out of the club. If you want to keep them in the starting eleven, or you know as a, as a crucial player, um, or if they should be benched and and maybe have someone come in to replace okay. them. So. I'll start us off with uh, a guy. I'm very vocal about this opinion, but Hugo Lloris, keep, sell, or bench? Um, at this point, I believe it's time to sell him. You know, he's really been a great. I will say he has, for all, for even for some of the flaws he's had in some of the some very crucial goalkeeping errors, he's been a great captain for for Tottenham for the past, um, you know, ten plus years. At this mm. point, you know, he's done his duty. He's you know, as you guys know, he just very recently retired. Well, he actually just retired from international um, duty. Um, you know, he is 35 years old this year, and Tottenham are in desperate need of 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 um, 
of a you know a younger goalkeeper. I mean, we cannot have you know Fraser Forster, who looks older than my grandfather at this point, playing as our starting <laughs> keeper next year. We it just it's not viable. For him. <laughs> it's not viable. He's, he's just as old as Hugo. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I, good, good. Yeah, get some money while you can on him. Not a problem at all. I'll take the next one because he's also coming up on, I believe he's got one year left in his contract. It's over in 2024. And that you kind of talked he about the to, leaky defense. I think it's time for us Eric to, Dyer. to sell, sell him. It's, well, here's my thing. From a strictly defensive stand, if he just if he only wants to play defender, he needs to get sold. But if, he, if we can get a coach in, James, that is able to put him back into his traditional center defensive mid-role that he had – Quite a lot of success in um, during the Pochettino years, during that during the 2019 Champions League run um, to the final. Um, I would be open to keeping him on the bench as a CDM, but I just I do not I do not think that if if we, he cannot be a, mm. a starting defender or even a defender on this team, um, as as has been shown. I mean, we've had the sample size now for the last three years um, since Poch has left. And uh, I mean, it's one way. It, it seems like every match I'm 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 yelling or reading on Reddit with my fellow Tottenham fans, saying like, "What another boneheaded decision Dyer did for? What, like, what is the like? What, <laughs> there's no one around you kicking the ball outside to <laughs> concede a corner, which ultimately somehow will end up uh, end up being a goal or just a, a silly just just for no reason. I just his his style, yeah, his style of defending is just not not good for this team. I believe. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm going to concur with you. You know, I don't think too highly of him as a center back, but I do agree. I think he could definitely, you know, he's a starting caliber. Holding midfielder, maybe not at the level of a club like Tottenham, mm-hmm. um, but he, he's one of those guys that will die for the badge. So you do love having him around. For sure. And yeah. that too. Yeah. yeah. So back up yeah. for Holberg, shifted actually to, right? to, uh, to another guy on the, in that back line, Ben Davies. Um, I know he's had a pretty strong year, but do you, where do you where do you see him? Keep selling um, bench at, at center back for so Ben Davies. So with with Doherty also getting you know having gone out now um, at the beginning at, for the at the January transfer window, I think Davies is someone that can stay. Um, I don't. I think you know he's he's really th- he's definitely um, improved from his form from last year and even the year prior. Um, because you know historically he's actually been a pretty solid defender for Tottenham. I mean he he gets he definitely gets the club. You know he's um, he's definitely been um, a fan favorite. You know for not even just defenders but just you know as a team. You know he's just someone that's always been looked at pretty positively. So um, I, I'd be I'd be all right with keeping him. All right. When we keep it in the positivity for the dying for the badge or being really good for the badge, one of my favorites that unfortunately came in two games ago for you had a a horrible tackle red card incident is Lucas Mora. I think ever since his massive hat trick against Ajax in the champions Mm -hmm. league that really certified him as a, as a player, I've always had a bit of a love hate relationship with him, obviously because he's on Spurs. But what do you think about Lucas Mora? His contract is up next year. He is still only 30. Um, you guys brought in uh, Perisic, who's older than him right now anyway. So is, does he still have something left to give you guys? Or you think it's time to sell him at his at his, as his downfall, I guess, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, a great question, James. Because, I mean, this is something that's, you know, 
talked to that has been definitely getting a lot more traction um in Tottenham fan circles for this season and also at the end of last season as well um you know we can we always will look at him as a club legend you know did something that the club had never had been able to achieve before and that was to get to a Champions League final um and he brought us there pretty much single-handedly that night but you know <laughs> at this point i think it's um i think I think a lot of us, and and I'm gonna, and I'm, and I'm also one of those fans that I'm, I'm I would be fine with, with selling him. I know he, and he, he's been very vocal about his love for for Tottenham, his love for the city of London, um, and he wants to stay. Um, and you know he could provide, you know, m- maybe some depth on the bench, but I do believe we have some younger guys, especially with also us signing Dan Juma. Um, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I just don't think it warrants him. Being still like still being on the squad, and we also have someone like Jed Spence still out on loan who's looking to come back um, and also make some noise. Um, well, he as he was supposed to make noise earlier this season when we signed him. So I think that Mora at this point it's it's pro- it's going to be time for him to to leave in this summer. I think that's fair. You know, I think he maybe has a, a resurgence somewhere else, similarly to maybe mm-hmm. uh, Olivier Giroud who we had the same yeah. similar conversation with. So I think he's still got a little left in the tank, but you can definitely get a pretty penny for him. Definitely a little bit more than I think a lot of people will consider. And then, um, Sean, you want to do one more and then we'll pop to the last one real quick. Yeah. The last one I got for you is Richarlison. or actually, no, let's not do Richarlison. Let's do Ivan Perisic. Cause I feel like you got some strong opinions on him. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's, this is one player, Sean, I, you know, usually after every game, I'll, uh, I'll be out texting you what my thoughts are on, on performances, and his name is usually one that has, that comes up almost pretty much every single loss. Honestly, um, you know when we do win games, he's you know even though he does have um, I believe let me actually look at my notes here he does have six assists this year, which is actually tied for the most um, assists um, on the team this year. But you know for me, this is someone who is also supposed to come in and score goals. Um, you know, he also came in with uh, with Conte. Conte really wanted him. Um, having seen him in the um, in the you know Serie A and in Italian league, um, but I just I don't think that that he can. Um, I, I I I don't think that he's warrants a, a spot to stay after the sample after the sample size we've seen this sure. year. Um, you know, he's had he's had only one goal, um, and then you know just just to complement those six assists, but. If you uh if you look at his uh his defending skills though cuz you know he's the type he's they were what he was brought in to do was pretty much be sort of what like a Trent Alexander Arnold mm-hmm. does. He's a wing back that's supposed to be feeding balls into the um into the box. But when it comes to his defense which which he does, you know, don't get me wrong, he's he's very good at crossing with both feet um and you know he he does have the potential to uh to make some special things happen with some of his free kicks um or set pieces, but it doesn't. It does not outweigh the the amount of damage his 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 errors have cost us this year alone in goals. I mean, he's he's it's he's on either the receiving side of just you know not man marking enough, not stepping up enough, or making just half hearted tackles in on um on players to just get around him too easily. And I don't know if it has that has to do with either you know his age and and the fact that he hasn't played in the Premier League at this pace. Um, you know, consistently in his career, um, or if just that maybe it's a, a little bit of an adjustment period. But for me, I don't think that he's going to, I personally don't think that 
the new manager, whoever does take this job, has an, a long-term plan for, for someone like him that is not very vocal, you know, about the club in general. Um, you know, he's he seems that he has, a, you know, a decent enough relationship with, with the players, like when he's on the field, but never really someone that, you know, you don't really hear about, you know, doing interviews or, you know, being really a leader of um of, on, on that back line. Yeah. Um, for Tottenham, and and I feel like that's something that they need for sure. Like that that vocal, yeah. lead, like just the way that you're talking about Dyer and his body language, and and obviously Parisic as well. They just kind of really need a, a a leader to to bring everybody together. I feel. Yeah, especially if Absolutely. you're going to sell Hugo in the summertime, Definitely. you're going to lose that yeah. voice back there. That's Absolutely, a good point you need too. someone to solidify the back line. So, mm-hmm. just before we pop into the last question, I think we'll ask you. It's it's still on the Parisic conversation because I always thought this was an interesting point. And you just give me a a a, a successful or a failure response. You guys mm-hmm. got him for free. So would you consider this a successful free transfer or a failed free transfer that could have sprouted into something better? Failed and could have sprouted into something better, especially given what the expectations for him. Um, you know, I mean, if you if you even also just look at his sample size from the World Cup, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he scored, I'm pretty sure it was three or even maybe more than three goals just this World Cup. You know, it's just, he, he did really well. Like, you can see he has that talent and he does have that ability. But for whatever reason, at Tottenham, it just really hasn't, um, you know, that goal scoring ability. And it just it just hasn't translated. Um, and you know, like you said, we did get him for free, but when it comes for um, when it comes he, when it comes to someone being brought in to do, you know, straight attacking, um, and when when our defense is clearly not where it needs to be at, I just think that it, it right now it's been it's been a fail. It's it, it's been failed um, at this yeah. point. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like the take. Appreciate Avi. I think. What mm-hmm. do you think, Sean? One more question. Yeah, let's just do yeah, the uh, let's do the power ranking. Um, so the, there's five candidates right now who are kind of among the top, you know, uh, favorites to take over for Tottenham. So the the list that we put together, we have Thomas Frank, Pochettino, Brendan Rodgers, Vincent Kompany, and Nagelsmann. Kind of a mix of two guys who are out of a job. Uh, Brentford, obviously, manager Thomas Frank. Uh, Vincent Kompany got Burnley promoted, then. Uh, obviously, like I mentioned, the other three are out of a job. So, Avi, give us one to five or five to one, however you want to go about it. You know where you where you stack up these candidates. Yeah, He's going to sure. help I'll you because you guys going to you're going to yeah. need it. <laughs> you know, you you're definitely right. I mean, and I mean, this you know before we even start there, I mean, you can look at a a club like Arsenal who brought in Mikel Arteta and you know they stuck with him and his long term plan. And you know, it it took some time, you know, really for the board to see that that vision, but. You know what? Look what look what happens when the board really backs their manager and really follows their vision. I mean, you can't speak enough good words about just like the just just how that project is going over there. And to James's point, we need that at this club because Lord knows everyone can see not who doesn't even follow Tottenham the dysfunction that has been between not just from a manager standpoint, but from a manager and also chairman standpoint with Daniel Levy. So for Brendan Rodgers here, I have at number five, um, really simply for the fact that, you know, he had has had some great success at Leicester, don't get me wrong, um, but I just feel that his, the way that he plays football um, is not the way that, it, it, it's not the way, it's not what Tottenham needs right now, um, you know, at this point, 
when you look at Leicester's form, it really has regressed in the last um, four years. Um, if you look at their, if you're looking at their position in the table, um, and for me, that is not someone who Tottenham need at this point. Um, we so that is I'll, I'll leave it I'll, I'll leave it at that for Brendan Rodgers. Number four, I have I have Vincent Company. You know, I I will give him a lot of credit. You know, he's actually done extremely great with Burnley. Um, he actually has I'm pretty I, he has the second most goals scored in their division right now for any of the teams. Um, so clearly, you know, he's making a lot of things happen there. He's making a lot of noise. Um, I just believe that he is just a little bit too new to this to to you know to to the managerial field. Um, that I just think that this Tottenham project is going to be a little bit too daunting for someone uh, for someone like him now. I mean, if he had, I think another two or, two or three years, believe, I'd be he would probably be arguably my number one choice. Just because I mean, clearly he's someone that can relate to to younger players. He's he's been he's won it all. He's um he's been there before, and he's and again not that far removed not that far removed from um from the game and um and some of these younger players as well. Um, so definitely, that you guys are. I mean, I, I definitely would agree that this is. He's definitely going to be someone of a of a hot can. He he might even get a new job coming this year, but he's definitely going to be someone that um, is going to be talked about and looked after um, in the next coming years. I think by a lot of these big clubs. Um, number three, I have Thomas Frank. Um, you know, he's been doing great things at Brentford. Actually, he's second manager ever in the in in Brentford's history to get them promoted to the Premier League and. You know, not not an easy task, especially coming from that, um, especially coming in a very pretty crowded London market as well. Um, but you know, he's brought Brentford up, and you know, to his credit, since he's brought them up, they still haven't gone back down. Um, you know, and he's been doing um, some pretty amazing things there with you know, with the likes of Ivan Tony um, as one of his attackers, and um, you know, he's he's doing good there. Um, I mean, so my biggest, I, I don't, the reason I have him at three is just because, I mean. I, I, I don't have, you know, necessarily anything bad to say about him. It's just that I just think these other two candidates um are stronger just because of very specific reasons, um, to Tottenham's to Tottenham situation. So for number two I have someone who's who I hold very close and dear to my heart and one of the big reasons I am a Tottenham fan is Mauricio Pochettino. Um, you know, as 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 many, many football fans know, this is someone who was brought in Right at the post Bale era, I mean, they also had just come off a pretty tumultuous um, managerial um, campaign. They went through two managers within a season. Um, by the time they, by the time they found Mauricio Pochettino, um, and this is someone who spent, you know, quite, you know, a long time at Tottenham. He spent, um, I believe, from 2013 all the way till the end of the 2019. Or he got, he actually not not end of 2019. He got um, sacked in 2019. So this is someone who's been around the block at Tottenham. I mean, and fans know his style of play. You know, he's very, very much an attack first, very much a creative um, coach, love to, uh, you know, loves to utilize attack, attacking midfielders, um, you know, as reference, you know, as evidenced and, you know, as looked at from when you look at the Christian Eriksen years, you know, the Deli Alley years. Um, this, these are people that, that Mauricio Pochettino was able to get the best out of. Um you know, and a lot of people would like for him to come back as well, considering the fact that this is he, he this is someone who's had prior experience with dealing with, you know, unfortunately Daniel Levy at the head. Um, you know, he he wasn't really as <laughs> if you if, if you guys remember, this is someone who 
after reaching a Champions League final, um, the first Daniel Levy actually told him, you know, we're not going to be signing any new players. You will need to do, you will need to make do with this same exact squad coming the new season. Um, and clearly, that's where a lot of, the, and you know, that's where a lot of the problems started happening and started to unravel for. Um, that that that's still pertinent in this Tottenham squad today is that you have the same players not making really any improvements in the areas that you need to be making improvements, um, and you know mm-hmm. that's that that's that's you know that's why you know what happened with Pochettino, but um, for number one I do have Julian Nagelsmann. Um, you know this is someone for me who I think and a lot of other fans as well. If you um you know just. Looking um on Spurs web, um you know Coy's uh, Reddit. This is someone as soon as as he was actually um you know sacked from Bayern. Um, this is someone who every single fan was screaming to get, and we're still screaming to get. Um, you know because this is someone who went over to a team um like Hoffenheim who has never been into you know qualify for Champions League. He actually got them um, Champions League qualification um during his tenure there. And, you know, on that success, he was able to go to, um, you know, RB Leipzig, bring them to a Champions League uh, or a semi a semifinals in the Champions League. Um, and, you know, this is someone who's also able to um, that show that he was able to develop um, talent over there as well. So just Timo Werner, making him um, the team's highest goal scorer um, after he came back from Chelsea. Um, so that was uh, that was pretty cool um, to see. And then obviously what he's done over at Bayern, um, you know, he won the Bundesliga with them last year. Um, he, he was able, you know, he, he's clearly had success, you know, and he's young. Um, he, he, he plays a very um, attack first minded football as well, um, which is something Tottenham, whenever they have been successful, um, that is something that is where they were striving at their best. That's where they were striving at most um, when they were doing attacking first on um, football. Um, the only problem is, is that with Chelsea also now um, in the mix and being very vocal about him, um, I for sure could see him choosing Chelsea over over Tottenham. But Julian Nagel, Julian uh, Nagelsmann is is definitely my number one choice um, for who I would like to see um, uh, at the head of Spurs for next year. Yeah, that's that's solid, and I appreciate you going through all of them. I do want to give just one one little swipe at Nag- Nagelsmann. I think you me and and James could uh be the manager of Bayern and still win the <laughs> Yeah, you know league, that, so. <laughs> that, that again, I like yes, you're definitely right Sean. I mean, yeah, that 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 league is unfortunately at this point is it's Bayern's league pretty much to to not lose. That's just how the the Bundesliga really is is operated, but you know, it's there, there's something about him though, just as you can tell, his resume and just developing younger players is something that um that that a lot of his yeah. um coaches and a lot of uh, just older veteran players have just said that he's very good at doing. Um, and, you know, with with a right. project like this coming up at Tottenham, I mean, I think that's someone, you know, that's some someone's type of skill set we could definitely use. Absolutely. Yeah, he's got the trophy. He's got the trophy yeah. cabinet for it. He's got the uh, the large enough <laughs> ego for it. I think you need someone there who's going to demand a little bit more uh, presence and uh, and mm-hmm. not mediocrity, as uh, Antonio Conte pointed out <laughs> on his exit speech. He demands wins, and he demands, uh, I guess, the next level of performance, especially from what what we had at Bayern. So a- absolutely, Avi, I think you nailed uh, one through five on on the head there. That. I would have put company a little bit higher up, but. Uh, 
we'll see. I, I, something about giving yeah. those young, inexperienced coaches a, a chance really resonates mm-hmm. with me for some reason. I would have no <laughs> idea why. But also, uh, yeah. you did a, you did a great job, and and it was awesome having you aboard here, man. Uh, especially as our our first guest speaker. Um, so we really appreciate it as always, and and we look forward to bringing you back in towards the end of the season, if not the the start of the new season under yeah. some new regime underneath Tottenham. So really appreciate it, Sean. If you want to do the honors and give him the send off, by all means, my friend. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, thanks no, for coming I mean, on. Just man. want to say thank you guys again. You know, really feel feels cool to be you know the first guest speaker on here, and you know, love to love chopping it up with you guys, and you know, would love to be back on. Always. Anytime you want to be in the EPL state of mind, you know where to you know where to get us. All right, Avi, we'll appreciate it. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and wrap up this segment, and we're going to go a blitz screed on the uh, the segment next, which is the look ahead and at my lock of the week. So, Avi, EPL state of mind thanks you. Keep listening, and we'll, we'll keep in touch. Well, Sean, I got to give it to you. I really didn't think that we would be able to find a Tottenham Hotspur fan that had some form of intelligence, but your boy Avi killed it. So I really appreciate you bringing him in. Uh, great perspective shared there for the other London North, uh, the North London team. So really great. We'll look forward to having him back. But as far as looking forward, we're going to look to this week's matchups. And I kind of mentioned before when we were talking about Holland, the Champions League is back. We have games tomorrow and on Wednesday. So we have first off is Man City versus Bayern. So we get to see Holland back in action there. Hopefully, I'm not going to say it because then no one will get hurt and then everyone will be forever grateful. But we have Man City versus Bayern, Benfica versus Inter, uh, Inter Milan. And then on Wednesday, we have a, a bloodbath of a, of a matchup I think is going to happen. It's Real Madrid versus Chelsea at the Bernabeu. And then finally, to wrap up Wednesday, is Milan uh, versus Napoli. So we'll we'll see who comes out of that. Hopefully, obviously, we're hoop, hoping for a couple English Premier League teams to advance, get a good jump on the first leg. But we all know that the magic happens in the second leg. So let's see who can kind of set themselves up for that that storybook ending and get themselves to a quarterfinals. So let's see what we have next here: uh, the English Premier League. So why don't you take your pick of the of the matchup for the week, and and then I'll wrap it up with mine. Yeah, I'll go with uh, two teams that were are outside of the big six, so to speak, but are having great years, and especially uh, their form in the last five is phenomenal. Aston Villa against Newcastle United at Villa Park. Um, as I mentioned, Newcastle have won five of their last five after losing to City, and then uh, Villa's unbeaten in their last seven. There's one draw sprinkled in there, but six wins. Ollie Watkins has been on fire. Uh, my lock of the week, and we're about to get to yours, um, hit and it's big thanks to him. He's up to 12 goals on the season and four in his last five. Um, so that's my highlight. That's the game I would be looking forward to this weekend. But how about you talk to us about Chelsea Brighton at Stanford Bridge? Yeah, so I mean, Brighton are going to be looking to bounce back from their London Blues by going against the London Blues, um, who are currently winless in their last four away visits to London this season. So I think it will be an exciting game to watch. Chelsea obviously coming off of a very disappointing loss against Wolves, but now they're back home. Stanford Bridge, maybe Lampard's new manager balance will come at a home uh, field advantage. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, the Seagulls also have never really won at Stanford Bridge before at the Premier League era. So it'll be exciting to see that there's a first for everything, right? So Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that game. 
As far as my actual physical lock of the week, I'll first, like you just said, give you the shout out. You have taken off here. You're three and one with your lock of the week. I took yours, so thank you very much. Paid for lunch today and tomorrow. To shame. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to try to follow suit, and my lock is going to be Crystal Palace over Southampton, which is an away game for Crystal Palace. It's home at St. Mary's. Uh, but Southampton is coming off of a big-ass loss, and Crystal Palace is coming off of a big-ass win. So we're going to see who can really either keep it going or stop the bleeding. Southampton, I think, sitting at 20th, it's a pretty safe bet. You still have a good fair amount of um, bang for your buck on that one. So I'm hoping that we can kind of take it to St. Mary's there and uh, and continue the, the, the Eagles' good form at away games. They currently sit at 11th best in away matches. So they, this could be their third win away in a row. So I'm hoping it's that. But uh, only time will tell. And uh, speaking of time, we are out of it. So I really appreciate everyone enjoying the podcast this week. Avi, again, another great shout out. You did great, my man. Look forward to seeing you again. And we are looking forward to hearing and seeing everyone else listen to the podcast. So next time you're ready to get into the state of mind, you know where to catch us. Thanks, everybody. And have a good rest of your day or evening.